If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to the game. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Nico Riesco. Nico, how are you? Russ Cohen, my man. And Michael Jello. Mike, how are you? Russ, I am fine. How are you? Good. I want to let our audience know now we've been picked up by Full Press Baseball. So that's uh, all those listeners coming from the uh, website. Uh, welcome. And you'll you'll start to see our writings and and we appreciate that, and yeah, so hopefully you'll enjoy the show. All right, um, we're going to start off with um, Stephen Cohen, the owner of the Mets, because he's, he's having some fun this offseason, and he's making baseball fun again for Mets fans. Um, some of the little things he said, like a fan um, tweeted to him tonight and said, hey, can you take the advertising off of the foul pole because it's embarrassing, and Cohen goes back and says, well, I think they had the Chick-fil-A advertising on the foul pole because it's just that, F-O-W-L. So he's having some fun, like a dad joke. And, and then he, somebody asked him about um, Bobby Bonilla, and he said, hey, let's have Bobby Bonilla come back once a year with a giant check and drive around the stadium. What, what would you think about that? And, you know, and, and my response to that is that's how you turn lemons into lemonade, and Nico, this is we, you know, the Mets have never had ownership like this, where it's so interactive with fans and they love it. They do, and I think he just found another twenty-four million dollars with Robinson Cano's um, suspension we'll there, that. so uh, yeah, he's we'll ready to, to spend. Yeah, he's he's definitely ready to spend. Um, let's get to the Cano thing. Yeah, he's he's suspended again. Um, I'm not going to admonish the guy for whatever type of steroid he took. I, I saw this article by Tim Healy, and I, I, I almost took great offense to it, even though I am not a fan of Robbie Cano, Mike, because, again, I don't care what steroid he took or if this writer perceives him being dumb because there's better drugs to, to get away with it in baseball. Like, I think all of that mentality is bad. I think if we're trying to say he's dumb because he could cheat better, you know, what are we really saying here? I, I was just, I wasn't shocked. Uh, I think you and I had chatted a few times about how Cano looked remarkably good this this off, this past season compared to last year, and now we know why. And this is this is part and parcel for a guy like Cano. Well, let's, let's just say this, um, you know, I'm not going to specify the player, but he didn't go to that clinic that we've heard about in the Dominican Republic where certain mm-hmm. players have gone and, and they come back and they don't get, you know, they don't pass a, a test or they don't uh, fail a test and all of a sudden, right. you know, a, a pitcher who was throwing 83 miles an hour is throwing 97 again. So it, it wasn't that the, – the, the, I think that the realization here is he's making $24 million a year. Um, he's got another couple of years after this, and he gets busted for a full year taking basically steroids that you would buy on a street corner. And it's like, okay, I'm not saying he's dumb, but he's dumb. Because it's just, if you're, if you're trying 
to, you know, to cheat the system, which obviously he is. I don't know if it's a mental thing because you know he he doesn't feel confident enough unless he's unless he's put himself in a position to be at at a physical at a certain physical level. But if you're doing that, you should be going to some place where it's a stretch to catch you. Instead, he you know this wasn't like the clear with Barry Bonds or A Rod. This was something that was easily detectable, and it's just, I mean, honestly, it's like you just threw away a year of your career, $24 million bucks, and your and your reputation, because people thought he was a borderline Hall of Famer. He's never making the Hall of Fame now. No, I agree with that. And, Nico, I guess the um, the issue here is, besides the Mets saving the $24 million is, I, I think Mike did hit on it, and you know certainly about steroids, and being a former player, uh, I do think his confidence was down, and I do think he was trying to get back uh, his stroke because I think being in New York, coming in, he felt the pressure, and he unfortunately went this route instead of trying to, you know, work hard in the off season. He he did that. And I guess you know you still got to hit the ball, and and the thing is, how much advantage does it really give you? Uh, what we do know. Oh. Is that uh, it, it repairs it repairs your injuries and it hel- helps you recover yeah. faster. So the recovery and the strength is there, but again, you still have to hit that fastball. And now it's coming ninety six, ninety seven miles an hour. I mean, you still got to do the impossible. Yeah, there's no question. You still have to hit, and it's you know I've heard things for and against the fact that it might help your vision, but it does help your power. And you still have to have a major league swing, but he basically a year, two years ago, hit 13 homers in 423 at bats, and now this season he hit 10 homers in 182 at bats. It doesn't take rocket science, Nico, to figure out that that helped him. No, no, it's definitely helped him. That's for sure. And he cut it in half. It literally, and this is for anybody that doesn't think that steroids is a big deal. Um, this is basically. He he basically almost hit his number from a year before in, you know, 100 and something less at-bats. Actually, almost 200, 220 less at-bats, Mike. So, obviously, you could see the cause and effect here. Yeah, and he wasn't playing in a ballpark that is tailored to him like he was when he was in the, with the Yankees with the, with the right, right field porch. I mean, City Field is not exactly an easy park to hit the ball out of. So, yeah, I mean, it was from the year that he had previously, from the years that he had in Seattle where he was nowhere close to being the player that he was when he was with the Yankees. I mean, obviously with, with him, I mean, you would have to say that, you know, there's talk about addiction to steroids. There's talk about obviously Uh seeing the benefits of steroids, but it's also a, it's also a mental addiction because obviously he didn't feel confident enough in his abilities to be, to be the player that he was without taking steroids. And, you know, him and Melky Cabrera, his best buddy, who also had a steroid problem, uh, they, they obviously got caught up in that and they, you know, without steroids, they're nowhere close to being the players that they were. Yeah. Now, I want to caution Met fans and just Yankee fans too. Um, don't read the New York Post for for baseball rumors. They're awful. Uh, perfect example is the minute 
this happened with Cano. It's like, well, you know, now the Mets are going to go after DJ LeMahieu. And it's like, no, they won't. Jeff McNeil's best position is second base. They figured he wasn't going to have a chance to play second base this year because they figured Cano was going to be there clogging up at least, you know, 100 games. Now he won't. So why would they spend the money on LeMahieu, Mike, when they could just put Jeff McNeil there? Well, I think they'll put McNeil at second, although McNeil, I think, is an average defensive second baseman and LeMahieu is a gold glover. But the, the, the you know, the the possibility is there that, that LeMahieu can play third because he has played third with the Yankees as well. So, you know, he's he is a versatile player and he's, you know, one of the better hitters in baseball. So I, it wouldn't be out of the norm for, you know, uh, for Sandy Alderson and, and Cohen to make a splash and go after LeMahieu. They may be maybe the, 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 uh, the thing here is to drive up the price to make it painful for the Yankees. I think they're. I think they could be in on him, but I don't think they're going to give Lemayhew what his agent is looking for, which is five years. He's a 32-year-old ball player, and he's great. But I don't think the Yankees are giving him five years either. So I think this is this is a a tennis ball going back and forth over the net, and they're trying to you know get a. Uh, a, a bidding war going between the Mets and the Yankees, and I, I really don't think that either one of them will oblige. Yeah, I don't think either either will oblige. I, I totally agree with you. I think this is a situation where it's like, you know what, and I think McNeil's a little better than what you're giving him credit for because he's been able to play above average in other positions too. But I think right. even if he was average, that would be better than what Cano was. There was a big difference when Cano was out last year and Gimenez was in there range-wise. Cano's lost a lot of range. He doesn't make a lot of errors, but he's lost range. So, so, so that's a big thing. And why spend the money on LeMahieu when you still need an outfielder and you're still looking for a frontline pitcher? The Mets aren't going to break the bank and like buy four new players. They're not. I still think they're going to try and trade for Lindor, and, and I think they're going to go for um, JT Riamuto. And then, yeah, I think after that, they'll try and get some pitcher in there, whoever that might be, and I think it might be someone like Kluber or someone like that on the cheap and then I think they'll look for an outfielder. There's a rumor that they might be linked to Marcelo Ozuna. I, Nico, I would rather see them get Ozuna than Springer. Springer, to me, old center fielders don't last long in this league anymore, and he's, he's heading that way. He's getting old, but, you know, he's still producing. And I would love to see him get Springer in the outfield and then also Ozuna. They need 30 home runs, and if they can get him from three hitters in the offseason in Lindor, uh, Springer, and Ozuna, that's – 90 home runs right there, and uh, that uh, and add that to someone like a Trevor Bauer on the mound if they desperately need another pitcher, uh, that would position them to, to win it all. Yeah, I, they're not going to get all those guys. I think, I, I think like any smart team, they'll get like two of them, maybe trade for one of them. They won't get all of them, but but I do think they're going to think about all of them, and I think that for Met fans is is an exciting thing to think about. Um, now, Mike, on the Yankees side, besides LeMahieu, it's interesting. I don't really hear the Yankees being linked to a lot of players, and maybe that's just because they already have a sky-high payroll. Yeah, I mean, just by the way, uh, I think one guy that the, the Mets might go after in terms of a center fielder without spending, you know, 
five, six years at $25 million, which probably Springer is going to look for. It could They could go for a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr., who is, a, I think, a gold-glove-level center fielder and you know, not a terrible hitter. I mean, he's not great. But, you know, but isn't that like pay. having Juan Lagares all over again? It's sort of like that because Bradley's right, but really dipped in his hitting. Right, but you know, last year he hit 283. But you know, he's usually yeah. like a 230, 235 hitter. But but defensively, he's a gold, you know Gold Glove yeah. level outfielder. But as for the Yankees, I mean, I think the fo- main focus is Lemayhew. Obviously, I think they need to sort of get that uh, resolved. I think if you know, depending on what happens there, I mean, they have a glut because if Lemayhew, if they do sign Lemayhew, then they may be in a position to trade Luke Voigt, who led the major leagues in home runs last year, because, you know, they're not going to keep, uh, they clearly don't want to keep uh, Glaber Torres at shortstop because he had a below average defensive year, and I think he has, his struggles in the field affected his hitting. Um, if they, if they want to do that, then they may have to move out Voigt. Um, but if they, you know, if they're going to just say, well, we'll, we'll, we think that Torres can handle shortstop and they'll just keep things the way they are. Um, they have a, an option on Gary Sanchez to uh, offer him arbitration. He's making about $5 million bucks a year right now, and he hit 140 last year. Uh, the thing is, going out in the catcher's market for a uh, Yadier Molina or Real Muto is going to cost them a lot more than $5 million bucks. So I, I think they may give Sanchez a chance. But the, the, the focus is probably on the rotation. You know, they have Cole, and they have a, a three or four good young pitchers. But, they, you know, Paxton is a free agent. So is uh, Tanaka. I think they'd like to bring Tanaka back. But... Uh, Drew Smiley got $11 million from the Atlanta Braves, and that sort of raises the market in terms of how much you yeah. pay sort of a middle-of-the-rotation guy. So I don't think they want to spend $15 million on Tanaka, but the, Cashman's main focus right now is to stay under the $210 million luxury tax, and it's going to be tough for them to do that. Right. Now, Nico, I, I just recently wrote that I feel like the Padres, who definitely need a frontline starter, you know, they don't have Clevenger anymore, and now um, they're back to having, like, a mediocre rotation. I, You know, if you want to get a guy who could at least be a two, but, you know, can pretend to be a number one, Tanaka would be that guy. I think he'd be a good fit for them. He would be a great fit for them, but they, I, don't, I don't think they're in the market uh, for spending any more money. I think last year was their splurge. Uh, they went all in. And I just don't think they have enough uh, deep pockets in the resources that someone like the Mets or even the Dodgers have to, to even compete further. Okay. And and what do we hear about the Red Sox? Either one of you can chime in, but I'm hearing that they are going to be more aggressive now that they've uh, got their manager back and now that they're not going to uh, just completely give up on a season by trading their best player. Well, I, I mean, I – I mean, it sounds to me like they're still going through, uh, in a way, a rebuild. I mean, they don't expect to get sale back until probably at least the middle of the year because he had Tommy John. Um, you know, they you know they add an outfielder in Verdugo in the in, in the in the Mookie Betts trade. Their you know their infield is still pretty good. I think they you know second base is a hole after Pedroia is gone, but I think they can they could fill that hole. But 
you know, it's it's with them. It's mostly it's mostly the the, the rotation and the bullpen. They're you know, and you're not talking about one or two starters. You're talking about they they probably need three, and they really don't have an effective bullpen. So I, I think it's more than just a one year fix and them going out and spending money. They have a lot of a lot of dead money and a lot of money that they spent on players that aren't producing or players that aren't even there anymore. So I, I think it's going to still take them a little time to really get back to where they were. Um, I I do have sort of not not breaking news here. Um, yep. John Heyman reported yesterday, uh, and again I'm not sure why he put this massive tweet out there. I, I think John Heyman puts out some ridiculous tweets, but this one is just to tell us that Terry Collins is retired. Um, I really don't think anybody thought that he was going to get hired back by the Mets in any way, shape, or form. But I, I just felt like uh, obligated to say it. Nico, were you going to chime in about the Red Sox? Yeah, I was going to say, I really love the young player Verdugo that they picked up from the Dodgers. I think uh, next year is going to be his breakout full season year. He'll get a chance to really show uh, his dominance there. Uh, I love uh, Xander Bogarts, and um, they've got to do something with Jackie Bradley Jr. in, in center field. They've got to keep him. If they can keep those three, three main pieces, I think they'll have a chance. Of course, getting some pitching uh, will help them as well. Well, I don't know. I don't know if Jackie Bradley Jr. is coming back. Uh, that'll be uh, an interesting I mean, thing to to see. I, I think I think the two most important players. I mean, obviously, yeah, I think Devers is their best hitter, and I, I don't know what he did last year. I mean, they were really off the radar, so I, I really wasn't tracking what the Red Sox did, other than the guy who I think was the biggest disappointment possibly in Major League Baseball, which is Andrew Benatendi. He had a mm-hmm. a terrible year, and then injuries. They need him to come back and be the guy that. Played played very well in the postseason for them. Um, I think he's important to have them uh, to have at the top of their lineup. And if he turns it around, then that's one less headache that they have. Mike, um, there's an interesting development in St. Louis, and that is Yadi Molina is a uh, a free agent. I've heard some bogus reports that the Mets are interested. I really hope the Mets are not interested in a 38 year old catcher that used to kill them. And I would not root for this guy at all. I just wouldn't. It just would feel weird. Um, but at any rate, the Cardinals signed a catcher. Uh, his name is Tyler Henneman. He was a starter last year for the Giants when Buster Posey opted out. So did the Cardinals do this to push Molina to come back cheap, or is Molina done with them? I, I think maybe they. this is insurance because they're not sure that he's going to come back. I mean, I've heard Molina's name. I didn't hear about the Mets tie-in. I did hear about the Yankees uh, tie-in and you know as a possible replacement for Sanchez and the, the mm-hmm. thing that's the scary thing is that Molina is looking for a multi-year deal you know, we're talking Oof. probably two or three years a 38 year old catcher he doesn't have wonky knees but and he still is good defensively but he's had injury issues over the years I mean he's a great yeah. catcher and I can understand yeah, he hits why 10 homers like there's still some use for him for right. sure, but, and 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 defensively, you know, I mean, Sanchez has had his struggles, and we, you know, we know what, uh, you know, in terms of catchers. I mean, right now, that's that's sort of a hole with with the Mets. So he'd probably be an upgrade with both situations. But I would only sign him on a one-year deal. There's no way I'd give him multiple years, especially at 38 years old. Nico, what's your what's your feeling? I love Molina, and I'd love for the Cardinals to just keep him there and have him retire as a Cardinal. I mean, he's given. Everything he's he's got to the Cardinals, he's actually won them a World Series, and um, 
And I think they should reward him. I think asking for a couple of more years to, to ride out his career to see if he can uh, win another one on his way out is worth it, and I think he deserves it. Okay. I mean, I just I can't give a guy who's 38 two years. I'll give him a year with a year option and let it be a club option. If they do that, that's fine. But it does seem like the Cardinals are not 100% on keeping him. So that's, you know, the interesting thing there. We'll, um, we'll see how that part works out. Moving on, um, let's look at the uh, Dodgers. Nico, what do you think they're going to do? I mean, obviously they want it all, but teams can never keep all their players after they want it. Best example was back with the 86 Mets, Ray Knight signed the next year with the Baltimore Orioles. And that's what usually happens. Usually teams, right after they win, they lose a player or two. What do you think is going to happen? Well, you know, and the hardest thing to do in baseball, other than winning the World Series, is winning the World Series back-to-back. And uh, I think that's the monster. If they can just uh, – obviously they're going to need to add some pitching. We all saw that uh, they need some help in the bullpen. Uh, 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 Liam Hendricks looks like it would be a good match for that bullpen to, to come in there with some dominance in the in the late innings. Also some help with uh, Kershaw. He's just not the same crafty Kershaw that we saw, you know, 20 years ago. It seems like uh, he's getting uh, there close to, uh, to uh, his end, and they would need a good uh, a good one or two starter to help complement uh, Walker Bueller and some of those young uh, uh, pitchers, Dustin May and uh, Gosselin. Mike, what's your take? Well, I mean, and people, it's very easy to forget, but, you know, David Price sat out because of COVID, and, you know, he's healthy. So, you know, there's, there's the picture that they were sort of missing in terms of a guy who could, you know, be spotted into that rotation. So I, I think with, you know, with Kershaw and Price and then Bueller and May, I mean, I, and maybe Gonsolin is the number five. I think the rotation is fine. Uh, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is, you know, you have Corey Seager one year away from free agency. And there was some talk about them making a trade for, uh, for Lindor and maybe a Gavin Lux would be involved in the deal. They're not going to make that deal for one simple reason. The, 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 there are four or five really top free agent shortstops uh, next next uh, off season, and mm-hmm. I think I think they're just going to let Seager play out the contract. And if he has a great year, they'll re-sign him. But they're going to keep Lux because if they need, and he's not a complete shortstop, but if they need to fill a hole, that that you know, having one of the top prospects in the game, they're not going to use him for a one-year fix like a Lindor. They're going to find a, a long-term solution up the middle. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I could see that um, happening. Um, let's talk Theo Epstein for a minute. He um, He's left the Cubs. He's pretty much putting out the, the vibe that he's looking for something different. Everybody here in Philly is like, well, just offer him a lot of money, and he'll just come to the Phillies. And, you know, of course, every Met fan, me included, was thinking, ooh, I wonder if the Mets will go for him. But in the end, Nico, I think he really wants to, like, be an owner, a chairman. He wants to have a piece of a team. I don't think he's interested in being a GM anymore, and I don't think it matters how much money you offer the guy because he already made – tons of money with the Cubs. I think he's looking for that next level. So I don't think either one of those teams have a chance. I don't know if any team has a chance unless they're going to give him a percentage of the team. I I agree. He's already won a World Series in the American League. He's won a World Series in the National League. He's had an extra year on his contract that he forego. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the glory. 
Um, so the next thing, the next best thing, obviously, would be ownership. If he could get some type of uh, ownership position on one of the teams, um, yeah. I'm sure that's that's what he's looking at. I think he's going to take a year off to find the right spot. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, anybody care that um, the Pirates may be uh, trading Stephen Brault or Pirates? Oh, the only thing I could say about the Pirates is years ago I was there for um, one of the uh, Penguin Stanley Cups, and I just remember killing them because, you know, they had traded another one of their great players away, and I was sitting with a bunch of Pirates fans, and this was like during the David Wright, Gary Sheffield Mets era, and, you know, a couple of people there were nice, and they gave me some free tickets, but I was commiserating with them and saying, you know, it really sucks. Then for a couple of years, they actually cared, and they actually started competing again, and then Nico, they've pretty much just gone right back to – being that cheap team, winning, not worried about winning, uh, really just worried about getting money from the luxury tax and keeping the uh, payroll as low as they can. It seems like that's what they're doing because they had the manager that took them out of, uh, you know, despair there with Clint Hurdle. He was one of the first managers after so many years of uh, of below 500 baseball. He he actually brings some life to the organization and he actually brings wins. And they actually made the playoffs a few years uh, with them, and then they just decided to, to 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 go elsewhere, and they're right back in the bottom again. So uh, I think Clint Hurdle was their magic, and I would like to see him actually go go, go back and uh, sign back with the Pirates. I think he's got some unfinished business there. Okay, Mike, what do you think about Stephen Brault? He's like a you know a number four, number five, probably a number five. He he's got a good fastball. I mean. Does some team just trade for him because they need him, or do you think the Pirates asked for too much? Well, I mean, I think the thing that's attractive about him is he's making $2 million, so teams that are strapped in terms of, you know, uh, salary cap probably are looking for, you know, a cheap innings eater type of starter. If they, if they like him, then that's the, I think that's the attractive piece. But just, just looking at the, the way this franchise has just decompensated over the, over the last couple of years, I mean, they can't live down the deal that they made with Tampa Bay where they gave them Austin Meadows and they gave, they gave right. Tyler Glass now for, for Chris Archer. I mean, at that point, you know, you gave up Meadows was Glasnow was one of the best pitching prospects in the game. Meadows was somebody who had taken a long time to sort of get to where he was, and they never he never was never realized. And of course, they go, both go to Tampa, and they're both great. And and Archer, I think, has struggled with injury. So you know that's that's sort of the, the book on the Pirates. They had a two or three year span where they looked like they had a bunch of players who could you know make them into a, a team that could compete, and now they're the dregs of Major League Baseball. Yeah, and also, um, Russ, you mentioned they're prime for new ownership, and that would be an ideal landing spot um, for the Cubs GM. Yeah, yeah for but, Epstein, but I don't think he would do that. I, I think I think with Theo right now, it's been there, done that. I mean, he's tackled the two biggest things. Like the only thing that he could tackle Russ is if he be, all of a sudden became a hockey GM and took over the Maple Leafs. You know, he's, right. he's 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 beaten he's beaten the the curse of the Bambino and he's beaten the the Cubs hundred year thing. He's not going to go someplace else and, and be a GM. I think he want he's looking for a new challenge. And if that's maybe you know getting a franchise that is down like the Pirates, I mean, I don't think that's a bigger 
hill to climb than what he did in Boston or Chicago. So I, I don't know what he's going to do, but I, I don't think it's going to be – unless somebody's prepared to give him 50% of the Pirates, and I don't know how much that's worth. Yeah, so the other day um, Mets pitcher Noah Syndergaard, who's uh, you know recovering from surgery, um, I think it was Tommy John, right? He uh, he had his shirt off and was throwing. Looks pretty good. Uh, I would think he'll come back maybe July. Uh, Mike, Chris Sale could really help the Red Sox if he's able to come back. What's your feeling on him? Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems that the, that the uh, timetable for three, you know, big starters, Sale, uh, Luis Severino from the Yankees, and Syndergaard yeah. is all around the same time. It's all around the all-star break. But what, what that does is that makes the, the, the challenge for the three general managers of those teams a, big, a bigger one because they have to plug holes until – those pitchers come back, and the question is, you know, I mean, I think the Yankees will be, be in it. I think the Mets will be in the playoff race. I don't know about the Red Sox, but it's tough to plan on on a pitcher being back at a certain time, and you don't know whether, you know, somebody is going to have a hiccup in terms of their rehab process. So it's really sort of an inexact situation where they don't know how, and they don't know what the pitcher will be when he comes back. Will Syndergaard be great? Will Severino be a number one? Will Sale be the way he was, or will they be a shadow of their former selves? Well, I'm going to guess, and you can never tell by just, you know, when a guy's just throwing now, but, but Syndergaard, the way he's throwing pretty loose and easy like that, I think he'll be the same. Sale's older. Like Syndergaard, has, you know, he's a, he's a young guy, so he, he's got the best chance um, of recovering from that. So I, I'm not that worried about him. I do laugh that you threw Severino in that same boat, like acting as if he's as good as the other two. You realize no, he's number I, three in that list, right? Okay. I, I, no, I was just comparing the injuries. I okay. mean, I think Severino is a number one he's or a number pitcher. three starter. And yeah. you could even throw in the, the kid from the White Sox, Kopech, who was throwing yeah. 100 miles an hour before he blew out his arm. He'll probably be back this year at some point. And, you know, with a team like the White Sox, who have playoff and World Series aspirations, if you get a guy like that who can throw like a Kerry Wood or a Mark Pryor, then, you know, he could, he could be a destabilizing force in the AL Central. Yeah. Nico, any thoughts on those three? No, but I would like to add, Charlie Morton to the mix. I think he's somebody that's mm-hmm. a proven uh, pedigree that uh, he could be got on the cheap. I mean, he's 37 years old, but I think he's got he's at old. least uh, two or three more years left in him. I mean, he's still oh, I'm not getting lots Charlie of swings Morton and three years. Forget that, Nico. You're throwing around money like a drunken sailor. I'm not well, no, Charlie no, Morton. you can have a team option. Throw some team options okay. in. Give him one right. year for sure, maybe two, two, team, okay. uh, two team options. And uh, and like I said, he's still getting lots of swings and misses, and uh, he's been in the last two World Series. I mean, he's a he's a dominant starter. Yeah, the Last. thing that scares the thing that scares me about him though is Tampa Bay decided not to accept the option on him. And whenever Tampa Bay makes a decision on a player, and it doesn't, you know, it, it sort of doesn't add up. It adds up for them. They may know something that we don't. Yeah. I, I, I trust them enough right now with their decision-making process in terms of trades and free agency that if he, they didn't re-sign him, that they think maybe he's done or close to being done or not worth giving a multi-year deal to. I kind of agree with Mike on that. All right, so the last one is, you know, a bunch of new names came on the um, on the ballot for Baseball Hall of Fame, and the one that I'm most interested in, I've got a pretty good record lately of getting guys in, not because they listen to me, just guys, I just figure out guys who should make it, 
Bly 11, I was about a year, wrote about a year or two ahead of when he finally got in. Simmons, I was about a year ahead of when he got in. And now I'm going for Mark Burley because I think when you look at Mark Burley's career, he was always an ace. He had 16 years of double-digit wins. He, um, he had five or six years where his war was in the top five or, and, and or the top ten, which is really good. He was not a strikeout pitcher, but threw through, you know, pitched through the uh, steroid era. was good on every team he was on. Like even if he was 13 and 13, he was still a good pitcher. And he just left because he just was tired of being away from his family. So he didn't even, like, have embarrassing years like maybe like someone like Steve Carlton did. Now, he didn't win a ton of games. I think he's around 214, 217, something like that. But, Mike, um, in nowadays baseball, nobody's going to win more than 250 games except for maybe a guy like Kershaw. And, you know, there might be somebody else out there I'm not accounting for right this moment. But for the most part, you know, nobody's winning 300 anymore. And even 250 is going to be hard to reach. Verlander might be the other guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Burley is a – I mean, I think he's a a logical in terms of, you know, being a candidate. I just don't know. You know, two, 214 and 160, every year except his first year, he was he was double digits in wins. Um, you know, 381 ERA is a little high. He did win a World Series. He did pitch a perfect game. Uh, yeah, so, and a no-hitter, I mean, and a no-hitter. And a no-hitter, too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll be considered. I just don't know whether he is good enough. I mean, he always pitched 200 innings. He, he just strikes me as more of like a, you know, just a, a, a long-time innings eater. He's, a, he's, val, he's valuable, but I don't think he's Hall of Fame caliber. Well, here, here's my counter. My counter is Verlander, who's clearly better, don't, don't get me wrong, has 226 sure. wins in 16 years. So it's not like he's not – in step with him other than not being a strikeout pitcher. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's right in right. step with that. Yeah, I buy that. I just, I, I just don't know whether, whether you know, he, he pops. You know what I'm saying? I think, he, mm-hmm. I think he's mm-hmm. a quality guy. I think he's, I think he's a, a really good pitcher. I mean, when he was in the, in the prime of his career, he was somebody that, you know, teams would want to, as somebody who would pitch 200 innings and get you wins. But I just don't know whether that's that you know that that is valid in terms of all famer. Now it's like it's you know I compare him to another lefty, and of course you know the with the Yankees I'm talking about Andy Pettit. You know yeah. Andy Pettit was 256 and 153 and had what four World Series. So but you know I the mean, big problem with Andy Pettit. Right, but the but the but the issue here is, you know, will it count that he admitted it? You know, yes, he's a steroid guy. He, but so far he it hasn't. He, so far it hasn't. I mean, his uh, his percentage. You know, this. I, I don't know whether he'll get he'll get the enough of a percentage. He only had eleven point three last year, and I think if it drops under a certain amount, he's off the ballot. So, yeah. um, but I, I think I think he'll rise as the as the years go by. The interesting thing about this year is, and I, I didn't know this stat. Anybody who's gotten seventy percent eventually gets in. And Kurt Schilling was the only one who had 70% last year that didn't get in. And I don't think they're going to let that jerk in the Hall of Fame. But <laughs> I, I'm just, I, you know, I, I'd be surprised. And not just his politics, but he's just a jerk. And he won't he is shut just, up. I mean, look, even the, even the bloody sock is up for debate whether that was real. Nico, um, any real thoughts? We've got like two minutes left. 
Yeah, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy oh, Soso, Rafael Palmero, Roger Clemens. Let's bring yeah. the steroid era. I don't think the steroids should prevent these great players from being in the Hall of Fame. I mean, they well, still have the every writer. Still every writer run. does. <laughs> Yeah, well, sorry. they've let in they've let in Pudge Rodriguez, they've let in uh, Biggio, they've let in Mike Piazza, they've let in some players that we know have used you steroids. Don't know. So you're, you're guessing. You don't know. There's we no test. As players, there's no as players. The players right. know. The players know. Okay. The players have talked. Okay. We've been in the dugouts. We know the players, and there's players that have been uh, selected in the Hall of Fame that have used steroids, and there's players that are not uh, in the Hall of Fame that have used play, uh, steroids. Well, uh, so they just got to make know. it even. We, we, don't, we don't know for sure. Just because Jeff Bagwell looked like the Michelin man and then came back from an injury and looked like he had been deflated doesn't mean he was you – know, we don't know for sure. We don't know about Biggio and the other ones. I, all right. I know is this. Clemens and Bonds are in year nine, and this is the last year. Yeah, they're they not getting in. Yeah, they're not getting in, and thank the Lord. And, and, and all I can say is A-Rod is going to be on the list. He should not be in. I don't care if he was a Yankee. I don't care if he won World Series. None of these guys should ever be in the Hall of Fame. I think and, and, Nico, I mean, Palmero lied in front of Congress. Not that other people haven't done that, but you don't lie in front of Congress and then find out, we all find out that he was indeed on steroids. That was pretty bad. Hey, it's amazing what a man would do to save his life and to save his honor and his glory. He paid so many years, and uh, for that to be taken away problem. from him, that's, that's, that's everything his, he paid for. But that's his problem. He did it. He had a choice. That was his At the time, was it wasn't illegal. Uh, everybody was doing it. I've just said it was across the board. It was almost like the team's cheating, and the, and the Astros got caught, but everybody cheats. Nico, okay. his 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 prize is that he was paid millions of dollars, and and you know, right. but he'll he'll never be in the Hall of Fame, and he's a reprehensible human being, and I won't say the reason why, but you know what he did to a to a great teammate, uh, which I won't I won't specify, is something that probably should have kept him out of the Hall of Fame if it wasn't for steroids. All right, and we're going to end it there. That's it for the game. We'll catch everybody next time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.